Okay, John, thanks for joining us today. Um, really appreciate you, you giving some of your time over. Well, let's get started into the questions. Um, first question I wanted to ask you was, um, could you talk a little bit about what it was like growing up in the USA, particularly uh, in Detroit, uh, and how that had impact on your creative expression? Yeah, so I, um, I grew up on Detroit's east side, uh, which some might say back in the mid-80s really didn't make a difference of which side you grew up on outside of, you know, maybe having family and friends on one side or the other. But, you know, um, the east side kind of looked like the west side. You know, it wasn't really much going on on either side uh, visually. But artistically, I think the same thing was going on. And I just didn't know it yet. I got older, but um, my parents had a had a record, a great vinyl record collection, which I have uh, now. I have half of it. The other half is in storage. My dad doesn't want to take it out. <laughs> but um, I grew up listening to some of everything, uh, from Pat Metheny to Herbie Hancock, uh, Return to Forever to Miles Davis, Earth, Wind and Fire, Marvin Gaye, some of everything. So, sure. Um, there was just music when I grew up, you know, there were no genres. So um, I, I, was, I was hearing all sorts of things growing up. And then um, when I was four, um, I had a little toy keyboard and my dad noticed me playing along with the record player one day and he asked me what I want a keyboard. I said, sure. Uh, you fast forward to a couple moments, other moments in my life growing up, uh, both my parents were very supportive of myself and my other siblings with uh, whatever we were interested in, whether it was instrumental music or um, there was one weird point in, in time in my younger days, I was interested in horseback riding, so they got me a subscription to a magazine, you know, that specializes in that. I never followed through with it, but, you know, um, anything they wanted or anything we wanted to do as kids, rather, uh, they were always supportive. And I think that that translated into how I try to be now with uh, other younger artists or even my own kids. But I also try to remember that too when I meet strangers or people who are just starting out and they might want advice, you know, just to remember those who invested in me, whether it was through words or Times I give away gear to different people. Um, and, and that's another part of just growing up. You know, it's like, you know, you don't have to be selfish, but if you have something you can give somebody, you know, share it because you never know how they're going to use it or what they're going to end up doing with it until you give it to them. So um, that was a big, a big thing with me growing up was just having a very supportive family and a support system in general, family members, neighbors. Everybody knew I was the guy that always would be out on the porch playing the keyboard. And so um, I'm happy to be able to be where I am in life right now and just, you know, continue to do what I do best and make my family and friends proud. Cool. That, that sounds like you had a, a really great foundation there. Uh, you're, mm -hmm. you're lucky and then quite, quite a lot of people, I guess, in that community. Mm -hmm. um, I know you're a family man. I, I I did a bit of research on you. Is your wife's Canadian, right? Yep, she is. Yes. Is she from like the Ottawa side? 
She's from uh, Nova Scotia, so east. Oh wow, cool, yeah, cool. Yeah, is that is that east. It's not that's not the French speaking on enclave, is it? I know. No. No, 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 that's uh, Ottawa, Montreal. That's right, that's right. And I guess New, Br- New Brunswick and stuff like that, they speak French. Cool, so how did, how did you guys meet? We met on the funny story, we met on MySpace. Oh, cool. <laughs> so that kind of shows you around that time frame of, of when we met. So we met on MySpace, uh, talked for a bit. Um, we used to get phone cards to call one another. This was back before. Before the communications, you know, phone yeah. plans, yeah, phone plans sure. opened up. Um, we lost contact for a few years, and then I randomly emailed her, and then just got in touch with her again, and then everything kind of worked out from there. Started dating long distance. Cool. Uh, that wasn't fun. She was in um, Toronto at the time. Okay. So we were dating long distance, and then uh, you know she, I can't take the long distance thing. I'm moving to Windsor. Moved to okay. Windsor. Ontario, which is just across the Detroit River here, and then 2015, got married the day before my birthday. So oh, cool, cool. And so easy you... for me. Yeah, I better not have an issue with the anniversary date, or it's going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, I guess you have to go through all that immigration stuff that you have to go through when you do that yep. with America. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I used to live in the United States for 10 years, and I was married and unfortunately my marriage didn't work out so i kind of know how that goes it's a bit of a bit of a nightmare to be honest um so like you know and another question i wanted to ask you was uh, what mm-hmm. was i know you you had influence from marcus belgrave and and people like chick korea mm-hmm. um what what are some are they some of the most prominent influences you had you had musically did you have other people who who mentored you in that way um i think it it a lot of really around that time like early 2000s a lot of it was like i was heavy into pat metheny okay Um, without even knowing how to fully verbally put it into words yet i I didn't know why i was into him as much as i was but um from a from a, a an arranging and a harmonic um and a melodic point of view his music uh, the Pat McKinney group, a lot of their music. Like, I, I would go and get these CDs my dad had, and I would go and buy other CDs while in college. It, it was just like a lot of his music was really influential um, that time in the early 2000s, um, musically as well as emotionally. Um, it, it, it was it was the first music or the first artist where I discovered that you know, like depending on how you make or create music, you can. Uh, influence people's feelings sure you know they can they can feel better they can feel worse if you're feeling bad you can kind of have a song and go with that you can name a song a title and then musically draw that picture for that person or you can just make the song and not have a title and let the listener make their own picture sure. that was the first time where I, I figured that you could use music in more than just a way to make something that people can listen to Oh yeah, I like it. So it was him that that kind of showed me that music is this deeper thing that you can use to to not just enjoy it, but you know, to sit and listen to and just drift off somewhere mentally if you want, you know, for 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 a bit. Sure, sure. Yeah, I I, I get what you're saying. Like you know, because I've been a DJ for years, and I, when I was younger, I kind of used to. I guess I was a bit more in my head about music, and I used to 
fight mentally, but I, as I've gotten older, um, what I found is the music that gives me that very strong feeling is usually the stuff that is not as disposable as, as some of the other stuff. So I, I totally mm -hmm. hear what you're saying. Um, so what are you? What, what age are you? Are you in your forties or? I'm 38, so I'll be 39 in in June. Oh yeah, so you're yep. so you're oh yeah, so you you're kind of like I'm the getting up, you're getting the up there. You're like the next generation of Detroit. Yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Um, so yeah. apart from like jazz and techno, are there mm -hmm. are there many other? I know you mentioned you you were just listening to music, but are there many other genres that you listen to? Is it is it mostly black music? Um. um so in high school, I played French horn uh, in a concert band, and uh, that opened up my ear to a lot of uh, symphonic music. So I like a lot of um, Bach, a lot of Bartok. Oh, really? Uh, well. I like classical piano. I love Debussy, a lot of John Cage. Um, and then, like, early years of college, like, I started getting into... Uh, Gregorian chant and a lot of choral pieces, you know, just from these different things that we had to study. So, wow. um, I think that all came from from being in high school, just being open to to playing and listening to other styles of music. And I would seek out these different composers and the different pieces that they made, you know, because you have to study all that stuff in college. The different music histories, you know, dating back to uh, the classical, neoclassical era, all that stuff, and further beyond. So you hear these different things, you've got to study them for exams, and, and so every now and then you come across a piece or a composer that you really like, so you start to go into their work. Okay. Um, and so similarly though, like as we start, as we get towards the, the techno um, introduction around 2007, uh, aside from music, you know, like once I started traveling internationally, like I began to become inspired by uh, landscapes and the different things that I saw. So I tried to put that into music as well, you know, and um, now it's it's uh, being inspired by different chefs or different approaches to making food, you know, something that I don't think we pay a lot of attention to. It's like, yes, you know, we, we eat. It's something that we need to do so we don't starve. But, you know, I look at a chef or a well-trained chef, like a very good musician or someone who calls themselves a producer, they're able to make something from nothing, you know? So you can't call yourself a chef if you're going out buying these pre-made meals and then come home, you disassemble them and then you put them back together again and call it your own, you know? Sure. Not quite the same thing. So even that and that, I'm, I'm just always looking for newer ways to be inspired by things that's not music. Wow. So, wow. So that's a very interesting perspective. I've never really mm -hmm. thought of it like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, um, I guess you're, you're kind of a later generation. Um, like, you know, I, I grew up in the '80s, and mm -hmm. um, I got first got into techno in the late '80s. Um, so, mm -hmm. at, at that time, <clears throat> in the late '80s, we had that first Detroit album that came out. I think on mm -hmm. a British label that was that was um, licensed. Um, and it was, you know, a very, very new, new thing. You know, it sounded different from anything we'd, we'd heard apart from say like the whole electro, uh, yeah. first hip hop stuff that came out. Um, 
so since then it's it's changed a lot and uh, so i was just wondering what what your thoughts were on the impact that um the the proliferation of technology has had in the last say 20 years on music um you, i guess there's pluses and minus but what are your thoughts yeah it's it's, it's definitely pluses and minuses um i get the feel and sense that it's kind of half and half i think a lot of people they get into this style of music you know they want to do the right thing by you know learning their history maybe learning how to play an instrument or maybe learn how to make their own music and whatever that approach is and then i think once maybe they see how difficult it is or that it's going to take time mm -hmm. they choose not to yeah but um i think it just depends on what your goal is and like what you are doing this for if anything you know like me for example i laugh and tell the story uh, i didn't know that when people play music at these concerts that they got paid for it i would just you know like for example like i went to an earth wind and fire concert when i was about 12 or 13 maybe 10 or 11 and i just remember seeing how much fun they were having on stage and i was like man that looked like so much fun i would love to do that you know not even knowing you can get paid for it. Mm. And so uh, when you have something like COVID, you know, when the pandemic happened and <laughs> a lot of people weren't getting paid to sure. go out and play anymore, it's like, are you still going to make or create music if you even did it before the pandemic started? Maybe yes, maybe no. But if you got into this business to tour and to make money, well, now that nobody's touring now, you know, um, it's, it's, and it's, it's a lot of us here in Detroit, we know the ones in our city and not the ones who are in this for the love. We know the ones who are just here for, you know, for a check. Sure. And so, um, you know, when you, when you take the attitudes of why people are doing this and then you bring in now the technology, which has advanced to the point where you don't even have to have any musical experience. You've got all of these apps and plugins and sites sure. that you can compile chords and do this and do that. And I can hear a track and tell when somebody played it in or they, you know, picked something and then kind of moved it around a bit because these programs, they use the same voicings, mm -hmm. if you will. And so, mm -hmm. um, I have a track called times of change, uh, came out in 20, 20, yeah, 2020, and like I wanted, I made that track uh, with the intention of making something that another human or computer program wouldn't be able to duplicate, mm. just to see if I could make something for the dance floor, but that was theoretically intricate enough to where only someone who like has a, a, a music degree or a really good ear or sense of harmony could discuss and we could talk about that track, you know? It works on the dance floor, but in no way is it in 4-4, four, four, you know what I mean? Okay. So being able to, to, to do that and to kind of just, you know, as my way to musically rant on, and this was, I started the track back in 2019, finished it in 2020, but that was just like a little upset phase that I was having, seeing as how things were going with the technology and you know, making the average producer lazier because now, you know, this gear does everything for them. Mm -hmm. but. Oh, it, it makes more people want to make music, but it's like, well, is more people making music or are they just you know, throwing together 
know, these pre-cooked ideas, like I mentioned earlier. Sure. Know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Um, I remember hearing um, uh, Giles Peterson interviewing uh, Mark Mack from Four Hero about about 15 years ago, and he he didn't say it in those words, but he pretty much said, you know, I think Giles Peterson said something like, you know, when you hear Four Hero, they've got a sound, and you can tell mm-hmm. it's them. And I think the response was something like, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, yeah, when you kind of start playing about with music and and you know all these all this technology that's proliferated, um, it's it's gets harder and harder to have a sound because, um, right. like you said, it's all these pre-cooked you know programs that have, have been made for you. So I, I totally get you, and and there's, there's mm-hmm. just this in in a sense, there's lots of music out. And there's lots of really good music out nowadays, but yeah. on the flip side of that, there's a lot of disposables and um, things that sound like they should be good, but there's yeah, no exactly. soul. There's no kind of, you know, it's like an AI music. For example. Yeah, it might as it well. Reminds, be. Yeah, it reminds me of something that uh, Mike Banks told me, um, maybe about ten years ago, maybe eleven, and it was something that a lot of people probably wouldn't be able to take. Uh, it was two things. The first was like when I first started trying to make this music and I would play him the stuff, he would say, um, I heard that before. Mm. And that's all he would say. And I would just sit there looking at him and he would just sit there looking at me. So I'm thinking, okay, and the next couple of times I played him something, I heard that before. But I'm trying to make what I think he wanted to hear mm. versus you know me trying to find myself and my own sound. Sure. Which was one of the main things he showed me. He never showed me how to make a track. You know, he gave me different tools and approaches to use, but never it was if this is how you do it from start to finish. But what that did was um, later on, when I finally got it, I remember him telling me, or along the way rather, as I was getting closer to him back when he would say, okay, now you're onto something. And he would kind of he would show me more techniques and different things that I could use. What he said to me one day was, um, and this was, like I said, 10 years ago, so now it's probably 10 times the amount. But he said, there's a, there's a thousand of you over in Europe, every one of you. So what makes your music any different than theirs? Mm. Yeah. Now I think it's safe to say it's 10,000 guys to every one of me. Like you just mentioned, you know, or like Charles that what makes or for here what makes my music any different than theirs sure so sure. Uh, when i sit down to make something or when i get ready to finish it or put it out i'm asking myself is this or would this stand out and attract of 10,000 others right now sure yeah that's just... and, and that's the that's the level that I, I try to work at and so that i don't get comfortable and that's that's an inner detroit thing in me you know is you know you don't want to ever become too comfortable where you think you have it or you you're, you're it you're famous you're this you're that you have to work or strive or dig deeper or harder for you to find something else that'll you know uh, take your sound or your approach to music to the next level so I'm always searching and always finding because I know there are newer people coming out and that's great you know I'm I'm competitive as well yeah I, I get that from mike so you know sure um, i love hearing other musicians and music that's better than mine because it makes me uh 
uh, not that I like mine, but it makes me go back and, 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 and work a little bit harder, you know? Yeah. Well, that, I think that's kind of the, the gist of the original meaning of actual competition. I think in the beginning, it, it was a way that people could bring out each other's strengths as opposed to kind of dominating. Um, and I think it just turned into that. And, and, and like you said, you know, when you start thinking you're it and you've made it, you're kind of moving into the realm of the ego. And I, I don't think that's really got your best interest at hand. Right. Um, so that's quite, that's quite a profound perception. Uh, again, I never thought about it like that in that way. It's great to, great to get mm -hmm. feedback. Um, another question I wanted to ask you was, um, and I know you mentioned you've got a day job um, teaching in a university, um, mm -hmm. but a lot of people in your field um, are DJs, and they they use DJing as a way to supplement their income because of the fact that you know there's not it's quite difficult to, for for artists to make money these days with all the streaming service, uh, mm -hmm. services that are out there and the the lack of. Uh, remuneration from the from the corporate corporates that are in control of that so is is that something you do are you just purely a musician or do you do you, do you play about with um you know djing yep so i um i'm a musician um like i just mentioned i'm an educator mm -hmm. um i have had a few photography gigs not many um i play live where i use you know DJs and keyboards or synths. Oh, so, cool! Um, I don't, I don't go by a DJ. I just say John Dixon live. Um, but then I'm also, in, I'm, I'm finishing up a music therapy program right now, so I should have my bachelor's um, in the next few months in that. And I'm just looking at that as another way to use the amount of knowledge uh, that I've acquired over the years, as well as the contacts. Uh, in Detroit country and globally to, to, you know, use music now in a different way. So um, you're just going back, you know, from my statement earlier about why people get into this genre. You know, I'm, I'm looking at myself as, you know, how do I want to use what I know musically? And I've, I've always had a passion for helping people, which is why I love teaching and you know, uh, it's, it's something that I see myself doing over the next 20, 30 years, but doing it in my own unique way. Of course, following all the rules and everything that goes along with music therapy, but just like with um, standard music, you know, there are these rules that they teach you in college, you know, you have to have theory, one, two, three, four, and music history. You learn all of this stuff, but you learn it so that you can break the rules or change the rules or create your own rules. Mm. And so I'm looking at music therapy as that same thing, you know. Theoretically, I'm overqualified to be making electronic music, you know, because I have a music degree. You don't need one, but I have one. And I know when and when not to use it. I don't always have to use it. But if a situation comes up where, you know, Carl Craig calls me to come play alongside him and we haven't had a rehearsal, I don't know what he's gonna play. Now I have the ear and the theory and the knowledge to be able to hear what he's playing internalize it, analyze it, and then know what to play from a musician's point. But from the point of, you know, making this music, I know how to go about playing to complement the track, not to get in the track's way. You know? That's cool. So, yeah. you, so you mentioned you're, 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 is it a doctorate that you're doing? Not a doctorate, you're doing a 
It's a bachelor's program for, bachelor's. for music therapy. Yeah. So you're a student as well as a, as a teacher? Yes. And are you, are you doing that in the same university or a different, different? So this is a this is an online program. That okay. I started. It's a two-year program where if you have a music degree already, it cuts the entire music therapy program in half. So oh. you just focus on um, all your music therapy courses. You learn guitar, and there was a couple of other supplementary courses, a few psychologies, um, biology, statistics that goes along with with the program. Oh wow, that sounds cool. So you so you mm -hmm. basically you uh, transmigrate the skills ever get from playing keyboards to guitar. It wasn't that easy. I wish it was that easy. <laughs> um, sure. It was it was it was a tough transition. I mean, it took me months for me to be as comfortable as I am now, but I remember okay. you know doing these homework assignments. I would punch my guitar and bang it on the bed because you know the program was an online program and so every two weeks we had to record six to eight different videos doing these different assignments. And, you know, this being fairly new to me, like I had to figure it out and record them and send it in for a grade and it was just annoying and I was frustrated, like whatever. Admit it whether they liked it or not, you know, okay. ended up pass, passing the class. But even still in that, like you have to have, there's a, um, a proficiency exam that goes along with this. So like you have to display a certain amount of knowledge and skill set on guitar before you can move forward in a program. So, okay, you know, and, and that, that kind of helps me and, and kind of humbled me a bit when I teach my new students now. And I, I remember, you know, me picking up this new instrument not, not even two years ago. So, and so how they put myself in their shoes, not that I already didn't, but it, it reminds, it, it gives me a little bit more patience uh, yeah. with them and more, um, understanding and let them know that I know what it's like to be in that chair because I had to learn guitar not too long ago and you know sure tricky so so it's I like you're, it. you're kind of like an empath I guess you can you can be more have more empathy yes. for them yeah that yes. makes a lot of sense okay so um in regards to like this next question uh, I'm going to paraphrase it a bit just based mm -hmm. upon what you just told me but um with with techno you know when it you know, when we first got techno, we we were whole, all involved in the kind of whole acid house kind of rave scene here in the UK. And I think in a way, um, British culture embraced that genre m more than the mainstream of America, I guess, at mm -hmm. the time. Um, and at the time, it, it, like I said earlier, it was a, a very new sounding genre, but I feel like in recent years, it's kind of gone back to its roots in a sense in that it's gone more, more into like jazz and um, uh, it's influenced many, many people here in the UK. For example, people in the broken beat, new jazz scene. Um, mm -hmm. Where do you see this going in the future? I think that's up to the individual. I, I think that's what's great about um, certain individuals here in Detroit. I think a main and important key or aspect to that question is the education of everything. You know, I was just talking with Waji um, a couple of weeks ago, and he was just telling me his plan and vision with the Underground Music Academy, and he, he told me he wanted me to um, teach uh, a class the weekend of movement he said he's aiming to have one of the rooms ready 
but it's it's people like him that that and myself that banks as well a couple others that see the importance of the education not just the history but the education of the music business the education of knowing that you might not become famous if that's what you're doing this for mm. there's some things that you should probably understand and know probably know that it's not always good for you to be on your own looking at what you think the world might look like in this genre of music online or because of what you're saying online you know mm. while at the same time the internet can be a tool you know um, i remember when sure you can too when youtube first came out and you really wasn't sure what to search for but now you can search for anything any style of music and sure you get it yeah and it's 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 a great tool to have but i think more importantly than where this is all going is just for the individual to have a sense of who they are as a person especially when you call yourself making music you know um i keep going back to chefs you know um, mm -hmm. you can you can study at you know the finest culinary institutions and learn all of these different styles from france or from italy or these different techniques from all of these different countries but um it's the it's the same ingredients that the chefs are using you know it's just now how do you with a great restaurant it's like I, I think chefs are asking their, themselves the same thing i'm asking myself it's like how can i take music to the next level just like you know they're how, how do you take food to the next level you know there are newer methods there are newer things that might be coming out in the kitchen newer ways to approach cooking food just like there are newer approaches to making food pieces of technology um you know as we touched on earlier but again just knowing how to use the technology and you know having a little bit of going back to the word again education sure. you know about where this new piece of equipment generated from you know if it's a drum machine you know learn about the first drum machine you know how drum machines work or the different knobs or the different terminology that you can use across all drum machines definitely you know you have to know what um you know what pan searing means you know you should know what um simple as boiling or baking you know and different ovens you have different temperatures you no know, ovens are the same and it's the same in music it's like yeah i have a keyboard I have the same keyboard but maybe they play differently depending on who owns the keyboard or how much use has been put into the keyboard so all these different things come into play you know but i think if the producer knows what they want to say artistically and you know the sky is the limit in terms of where the genre can go but i think if everybody only focuses on oh i want to make it i want to tour uh, i want to make money from this then you're setting yourself up before you even begin the failure because sure. you're not guaranteed that and that's if that's what if that's your main motivation or if that's what's driving you with it uh, you're in the wrong business sure you know yeah but i get you yeah i think i think that's something that's done um not just only in music but like in a lot of different things where people want to be a workshop leader they want to be an author they want to be you know a teacher before they've actually learned it and um mm -hmm. 
that's what I kind of loved about America. There, there was a much more value on education there, I guess, because yeah. you know, the, the, like here, you know, the, you got the government. The government will pay your rent, and it's a bit of a nanny state. But I guess in America, you, uh, you know, if you don't get up off your ass and do something, you're on the streets. You know, it's a bit more yeah. a harsh reality. Um, yeah, totally hear you. Totally hear. Um, so moving on, um, you know. What I found interesting about, you know, when I was living in America, um, I was living in, in Southern California, uh, in San Diego, so I wasn't really hanging out in the ghetto per se. I was in more of a middle-class kind of uh, enclave. And what I, what I observed was that, you know, within the whole dance music scene, nobody really knew about Detroit or, or, or Chicago music. It, it was... I guess due to kind of segregation and stuff like that, um, and I had a, I had a, an experience here a few years ago where there's a guy, actually from San Diego, living here locally, working for the local authorities as a as a social worker, and I turned him on to some one of my podcasts, one of my mixes, um, which was you know mostly like techno and U.S. based uh, dance music, and he was like, "Wow, that was amazing, dude." Uh, is that stuff from here? Where's that stuff from? I said, it's from America. And he was like, really? And so what I was going to ask you, what are, what are your thoughts on, on the visibility of of uh, Detroit techno? I mean, for example, if you say techno to most people who are not educated on the subject, they have a completely different concept of, of what it actually is. I think they go, I mean, it's, it's a lot more visible and known I think uh, within the US now mm -hmm. you know thanks to technology thanks to the internet right the internet yeah. yeah and thanks to curiosity you might hear something in the commercial I think you know there's further education um, there's a difference from dance music there's a difference from EDM there's a difference from house there's a difference mm -hmm. from techno that's like one of the examples I like to always give is like when you look at the genre of jazz, mm -hmm. and if you know your history, there's sub these subcategories of jazz from when it first started mm -hmm. up until now. You know, you had swing, you had big band, you had bebop, you had hard bop, you had post bop, you have smooth jazz, you have you know um, all these different types that will fall under the category of jazz, and it's the same thing with. Um, dance music, you know, there's house, there's deep house, mm -hmm. there's EDM, you know, sure. there's uh, drum and bass, if you want to put it in there. And I think a lot of people, they just categorize everything as either techno or as house. You know, yeah. Like one, of the, one of the big debates, you know, was uh, Beyonce has a house record. And I listened to the record and I'm like, it's not a house record, it's a dance record. Mm. You know, it's like if you knew the difference, but nobody wants that education or nobody is like, well, if, if, if you can get on the internet and post your opinion about this album, then you can get on the internet and do some research about, well, what is house music or where did house music start? You know, what are the roots? What does a house track sound like? Who plays house? Who's, who's playing house? Who's making house mm. in the house scene right now? Oh, the internet says uh, Luke Slater. Okay, yeah. 
Is that his name? Luke. Uh, the guy Luke from... Salomon. I'm sorry. Luke. Luke Salomon. It's like okay. Luke. Luke Salomon's a house DJ. Oh, Luke Salomon also wrote something on Beyonce's album. I didn't know that. You know, so it's these things of connecting the dots and doing a little bit of research. Sure. If yeah. you want, or which you should, before making the assumption, oh, well, I don't like EDM. I don't like Beyonce's new record. It's not EDM. Sure, yeah. That's, that's just, you know, my opinion. But it's, it's great that, you know, if anything, more people are, are, are hopefully wanting to know more of what house music is or what dance music is. And good dance music for a good house, or good techno, you know. And I'm I'm glad that it's getting some attention or more attention now as as time goes on. And more importantly than that, that people are. Um, I think it was Diplo that that he was giving a speech or something where he recognized Chicago and Detroit while he was at the Grammys because a lot of people probably don't know. But then again, every year when movement, you know, movement festival comes in May. Everybody from all over the world is is here. So a lot of people do know. A lot of people do come from other parts of the country to come here for that weekend because of how how lively it is and there's so much going on. And you can see just about any artist who you see at any other festival, dance mm -hmm. festival in the world here in Detroit. It's just a matter of which which one do you go and see. You know? So is that a festival that happens in in Detroit? I've not heard of that. Is it, when when does yep. that happen? Yep. So movement happens the the uh, it's Memorial Day weekend, so the last okay. weekend of May. Yep, that's Saturday, Sunday of every year. Cool. So who's the organizer of that? Uh, Paxahau, P A X A H U, I believe. Paxahau. Yep, Paxahau. Yep, it's it's probably the biggest festival in the U.S. for techno and house music. Is that right? Wow, that's yeah. I'm gonna look at that, yeah. man. That sounds really cool. Yeah. I, I saw you, a bit. Oh, carry on, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say you probably seen it on on online. Maybe. But uh, everybody plays there. Like uh, I went and checked out uh, Goldie's set last year. I had a chance to hang out with him for a bit, and then I, I caught some of Jeff Mills's set as well. Uh, that was cool. And then this year, uh, Rob Hood is playing live, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he's gonna do. I've got to play with uh, Carl Craig that opened at night, so that should be fun. That sounds cool, man. Yep. yep. I, um, I saw I saw a video of you uh, performing at uh, Dimensions Festival um, mm -hmm. in Croatia, and um, I thought it was just amazing. And I've always wanted to go to that, and I, I just recently got a potential to go there as press this year, which are, which oh, I'm nice. really excited about. Yeah. Um, um, what do you, what were you, what are your thoughts on that festival? I like it. Uh, I love Dimensions. It, it was, it was always a good. Um, the few times I did it, it felt like a homecoming. Um, I think the first year, um, I remember meeting Charisma for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, I think Ox eighty eight was also performing. Oh wow! Uh, I think uh, Wine Atkins was doing something with uh, Morris Von Oswald. So it was great to be able to see them and catch up with them. And then like the festival got rained out. Oh, no. So they had to they had to cancel it for the following year, which I think is the video you saw. But that same year, um, I ended up meeting Goldie on our ride back to the airport. It was about a three and a half, four hour ride. And we probably spent two and a half of those hours talking about Pat Metheny. And like as soon as I mentioned Pat Metheny and he mentioned Pat Metheny, it's like we instantly clicked on oh, the cool. level 
on a level that nobody else could explain because we understand that's like a language and a level of music in its own and because you know we both had that you know he was like well i'm working on this album i'd love to have you a part of it you know this is just all based off of conversation he hadn't heard me play or anything that i'd done you know so that was one of the other highlights of, of being a part of that festival is you, know, you never know who you're gonna meet and you know a lot of times you're on the same bill as maybe a lot of people who you've never heard so sure. again, he's using this tool the internet that we have you know one of the things i do now is whenever i play out you know um i always try to see who's on the lineup or see who's playing if i haven't heard them look them up see what their stuff is and then just try to network or get in touch with them if I can. So I try to bring out a couple extra records when I go out. Okay. Cars, you know. Oh, fair play, fair play. Mm -hmm. So, so, um, yeah, I know they do, they do another festival, the same organizers. That's like more of a reggae dub festival called yeah. Outlook. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I've always been intrigued by that. And, and I, I have a friend here, uh, who lives locally, who, is the ex-girlfriend of the organizer so I'm, I'm looking to negotiate a way to get there uh you know when they next do it um mm -hmm. i'm gonna start wrapping up in a bit john okay and i've got one more question for you yeah. um i just wasn't sure how this one would go down but what mm -hmm. i wanted to ask is are you a, a man of faith are you spiritual and if so how does that impact your creative process i am um it create or it, it influences my my creativity. I think in a way of for me, um, I think a lot about like improvisation and how um, things can come to you so quick without you even knowing how or where um from. Sure. If that makes any sense, I think it it's, it's, it's a thing where. Um, you know, uh, I believe that like God gave everybody a gift. It's just a matter of knowing what yours is and then depending on how you use it or how you know to use it will determine how far you go with it. So me, I'm, I, I think that, you know, these moments in my life happen where, or they happen when they're supposed to happen. Like uh, the same year I met Mike Banks and everybody at Underground Resistance was the same year, a couple months prior, where I felt like I had made everything musically that was possible. Mm -hmm. so like I would go days and weeks without touching the keyboard. And back then I was, you know, I was making more jazzier stuff, but I wouldn't make anything. It was like I ran out of ideas, literally. Like I, I made everything that I heard. And then all of a sudden I meet Mike and these guys. And like, I never look back, you know, now in terms of getting a, an idea of what to make so i do think that you know there's only so much that we as humans are in control of and then everything else you just kind of have to accept yeah. whether you want to or not and then you know take it and learn take it as a lesson learned or or or, or, or a better way to put it i guess is um a friend of mine said this and we were talking about COVID. you know when everything locked down he was just saying that, you know, a lot of people were complaining about, you know, things being closed or this or that, but he said him and what he was doing, I, I can agree completely is that he used it as an opportunity. And I look at myself, like I started this online program, you know, for music therapy. And it's like, 
it, it was a lot of work, mm -hmm. like school work and things. And it's like if if the world was open and there was no pandemic, I don't know how I would have been able to, you know, teach and travel and gig and do all of this stuff. You know, we had a, a second child in 2020, so you know, there's everything that goes along with that. Oh wow! As well as as well as doing an online program, you know, so. Mm -hmm. The fact of everything shutting down and you know us being in lockdown, you know, um, I made a track called "Wild in Lockdown" in 2020, and it's like, well, while in lockdown, I, you know, started a program. I did this, I did this, I did that. So it's like I I, I used it more as an opportunity sure. to to do something that when it's over or when it's as close to being over, which nobody knew back then. Whenever it's over or whenever I finish, then I can look back and say, well, during this crazy time. In the world, when everything shut down, here's what I did to further myself or be able to further provide for my family, or you know, sure. Because our, our kids are gonna ask us, and we're all gonna have this conversation next month or next year or ten years from now. It's like, what were you doing in 2020 and 2021? And it's all so fresh in my mind, you know. And at the same time, I forget every now and then too that you know we had a pandemic. But it's good to have reminders of how hard it was and how weird it was, but also like what made you stronger and what gave you purpose during mm. that time, you know? Sure, sure, yeah. Um, I guess um, multiple blessings in disguise for you. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, same for me, same for me. I, 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 you know, everything soared for me, even though I was a bit concerned about what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. I knew that there, there, there was a spiritual force moving through on the periphery of my reality that said everything's going to be okay. And um, I think some other people weren't so fortunate, um, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're on the other side of it now. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, John, thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, you giving us this time. Um, no problem. Thank you for having me. Is there is there anything you want to plug? Any websites? Any any you know things that you can direct people towards? Sure. Um, you know the best way to support any artist these days is Bandcamp. Mm -hmm. um, so you just do a search J O N D I X O N. Mm -hmm. Bandcamp is cool. Cool. Um, I love everybody in the UK. You guys are my biggest Bandcamp supporters. So thank you to everyone listening, and even those listening that may not be from. UK, if you like, if you if you support me, thank you. Um, over the past two plus years, like any purchase that anybody has made from Bandcamp or from my site or whatever, any order or whatever music, like all of that money goes right back into the music in some kind of way, whether it was tuition or right back into the manufacturing of these records. So cool. I'm, not, I'm not pocketing this money for myself. It literally goes right back into it so thank you all so much Fair play. Are you, are you, have you got any plans of coming to the uk at any point um not as of now i would love to i'm only a couple hours flight away so if you're interested you know, sure. just go to uh or hit me up on anything facebook uh instagram sure uh, my website foreverforward.com sure the number four evr the number four wrd absolutely and just go to the contact link well, we're planning on doing some events uh, in the future. You know, I'm sure the money's going to come in for us to do that. I want to bring people over from, mm -hmm. you know, Detroit and, and other parts of the U.S. Um, so, yeah, I'd definitely love to have you over at some point. Oh, yeah, It'd be great. It'd be great to have you. And, 
just holding up the vision. And if there's anybody else you, you think, uh, any of your peers that you think would be interested in being interviewed for our podcast, that would be also a very, very cool thing. Okay. Um, I just love it. We're always looking for new content. So, okay. I'd really appreciate I'll send you that. a couple of names over uh, through Facebook. If that's cool. That would be cool, John. John. Perfect. Again, John, thank you so much. Really yeah, appreciate no your fun. time. And uh, we'll have a chat once I stop recording. Excellent. Sounds good. All right, John. Thank you.